how back in the day the umpires wore like a suit and tie type of dealio? How far mm-hmm. back in the day? Like back in the at day when they three did years that. ago, right? Oh, like back in the day when they years. did that. Okay, I gotcha. Do you think they should bring that back? Uh, I don't. I yeah, don't why care. not? I just but feel like if they're gonna go th- to the robo zone, I think they're all too should... fat now. Mm. I think umpires are fatter than they used to be, and I don't think most of them would be really able to wear a suit. Did the umpires back then wear any padding besides the mask when they were wearing suits? Well, they That's would wear the suit, and remember. then they would have like that little. They had a little like a pad chest on protector. their chest. It wasn't much, but I don't, with today's modern technology, I think they could figure out how to have both the padding and the suit. Because I feel like if they're going to go to the robotic or the automated strike zone, they should at least be out there looking spiffy since they've got less to do. Sure, sure. But here's what I'm wondering is like if he's wearing a suit now, but then he's wearing all this padding, are we even going to see the suit? Like at that point, is well, it Well, I was hoping it? they could get some sort of... Under the suit. And then it would like look really funny because they're all like Sam said they're already fat and then you add padding under the suit well, and it would be yeah they look like those like inflatable like Halloween costumes where they look like big muscle man or something <laughs> yeah they would look like suit. like Michael Clump <laughs> Michael in a Clump. suit that's true they look more like Michael Clump <laughs> you know? that'd be funny yeah I could do that I could I could vibe with that well welcome everybody to one game at a time uh this is the podcast where we tell the story of a single game from baseball's history i'm warner and i'm joined by my co-hosts sam and charlie hello guys hi warner what it do yes what it do uh well this week's game that we're going to be talking about uh was suggested who suggested this honestly i don't remember was it sam was it charlie was it me I don't know. Um, well, we were looking for a different game, and then we couldn't find it, and then we kind of just yeah. I think Charlie the... suggested Ooh, a little peek a game... behind the curtain for the audience. Yeah, Charlie suggested a game that we couldn't find, and then I think Charlie stumbled across this game. So, anyways, I think I was just uh, like, "Hey, I saw that this game was there," and it. I mean, yeah, it's but... a crazy game. I'm excited <laughs> yeah, to talk. Yeah, but what's about really it. important if. What's important is for our listeners, if you have any suggestions for games, send us an email or reach out on all the social media platforms. Our email is ogatpod at gmail.com. Social media, we are at ogatpod. Let us know if there's games that you want us to cover because that's what we really want to do. Yeah, if you've got the link for the whole game, please send it because that's the key. (laughs) What they should know, yeah, and this is a peek behind the curtain, is we are at the will and the whim of anybody who's just kind of illegally uploaded former baseball game past baseball games uh, sometimes YouTube. sometimes mlb you know their official most of them are, account most of the most games, of the games we've done have actually ones. been uploaded from mlb themselves some of the older the, the further back you go not, yeah the, yeah the less mlb the less legal maybe it is the farther back you go but yeah uh, also patreon supporters you'll get priority in suggesting games uh so check that out and yeah if you have a link that's awesome if not we will do our best to find it <laughs> In the 1990s, the Seattle Mariners were defined by three players, Alex Rodriguez, Randy Johnson, and most of all, Ken Griffey Jr. The trio of household names transformed the 1977 expansion Seattle Mariners from basement dwellers to one of the flashiest teams in the American League. Despite their star power, the Mariners struggled to put it all together when it really mattered, 
consistently falling apart before reaching the finish line, losing in the playoffs, or missing the postseason entirely. The turn of the century would bring about an exodus of stars from the Pacific Northwest, as Randy Johnson was traded away in 1998, then Ken Griffey Jr. went to Cincinnati, and finally Alex Rodriguez left for Texas following the Mariners' loss to the Yankees in the 2000 ALCS. One Seattle star remained for the 2001 season, though, the lifelong Mariner Edgar Martinez. The poster child for the DH, Martinez had continued to dominate pitchers into his late 30s and was now being joined by one of the most interesting rookies in baseball history, Ichiro Suzuki. We've talked a little bit about this, these guys before in our when we talked about Ichiro breaking the, the single-season hits record, but the hype surrounding Ichiro, I mean... I was only six years old at the time, so I don't really... But I remember being kid. Yeah, I can't say that I remember the hype, but <laughs> But if you read back, about it now, you know, look at videos yeah. and stuff like that, like, there was just... A, I mean, it was like Otani, like, coming over, like, Dice came out to Zach. I remember when he came over, there was huge hype, but it might have even been even more, and he was 28 years old when he came over, already, like, the best player in Japan. And I think people were just really excited to be like, what is this guy even gonna... Like, he has such a different play style than anybody in the u.s yeah. like what is it gonna be like when he comes over mm-hmm. uh, and now everybody knows ichiro you know yeah i mean one of the most famous names in the sport ichiro quickly made his mark on the league and by the time august 5th rolled around the seattle fans had already forgotten about the big unit a-rod and the kid as the mariners were an astonishing 50 games over 500 as they prepared to take on the cleveland indians is 50 games over 500 is that good um, yeah, I'm going to say that 80 and 30 uh, in August, that's pretty good. They've only lost 30 games all year. Um, this is just an insane number to me. Um, I mean, really, they're only 25 games over 500, but that's a whole can of worms. <laughs> I, guess, I guess that's true. Uh, he is right. Well, yeah. We don't have to um... get into that uh, the semantics of that argument, but... <laughs> Math is a fucked up thing, man. (laughs) While they didn't have a 19-game lead in the division like Seattle, the Indians still boasted a powerful lineup that included home run leader Jim Tomei and Roberto Alomar, who led the league in average, and they were just four years removed from a World Series appearance. Yeah, I mean, the Mariners are fucking on fire having an amazing season, but these Indians are no slouches either. Mm Mm-hmm. At 2001, they had just missed the playoffs the year before in 2000, going still going 90 and 72, and they're coming off before that five straight playoff appearances, including you know a World Series loss in 1995 and then a World Series loss in 1997, which like that World Series loss in 97 is brutal. They lost in seven games, and uh, I know the people of Cleveland are just still. I mean, the people of Cleveland are devastated by a lot of things. They haven't <laughs> had a great. Uh, Sports. Yeah, they have to live in Ohio for one thing. <laughs> Ooh, some Minnesota hate for Ohio over there. Uh oh. <laughs> uh, and yeah, one thing too that you know, just mentioning about uh, Cleveland at this point, uh, they're in a pretty tight race for the AL Central. They're like a game and a half back or a game back right now on August fifth. Um, Charlie, you'll be happy to hear the Twins in first at this point. Uh, but the yeah, Cleveland Indians are very close, fighting for that division title. So. 
Set to take the mound against the Mariners was Dave Burba, who was on a five-game win streak and got off to a great start, striking out Ichiro looking, no easy feat, then setting down the next two batters for a 1-2-3 inning. Dave Burba is a funny, fun name to say. Burba. Yeah, Burba's fun. What do you think it must feel like? I mean, Ichiro, I think, in the entire 2001 season, struck out like 30 times or something. That's got to be a pretty good feeling. You start out the game striking out Ichiro looking. I don't know. I feel like if I was on the mound, I'd be like, oh, hell yeah, I'm going to win this game. No, see, I would feel like, fuck, I struck him out with nobody on base. Like, there's no way I'm striking him out twice. And next time there's probably going to be guys on base or something's going to be happening. It's, like, nice to maybe, like, oh, maybe I can get on a roll. But I don't think you're thinking, like, I'm going to get him again, you know? (laughs) That's true. Like, oh, that was my one. Yeah, I think Ichiro struck out, I just double-checked, he struck out 53 times in total in 2001. I think he'd only he'd struck out only about 30 times up to this point. Um, maybe this was 31 or something. I mean, but, he uh, barely strikes out. He's never He never had 100 strikeouts, and what's incredible about that is he routinely had 700 plate appearances. And also, he he didn't walk a lot. No, he didn't I, walk a lot like, either. He swung he at everything. He wanted he hits. got on base because he hit everything, which yeah. is crazy. Because you think someone's like, oh, okay, well, you know, they don't have a ton of strikeouts. Maybe, yeah, maybe they see the ball well. They walk a lot and get on base. That, and it's like, no, he just hits everything. There's He's, no hope. Yeah, <laughs> extremely aggressive and obviously probably the best there's ever been at just straight up putting the bat to the ball. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's a great awesome. bad, like, bad ball hitter. You could throw it yeah. out of the zone, and Ichiro, if he'll he wants the hit, he'll just take it. Yeah, yeah. Well, after a scoreless first for the Indians, the Mariners would come back swinging in the top of the second as they hit back-to-back doubles to drive in the first run of the game. Then there was another walk and a third double to make it Mariners 2, Indians 0. With two on and two out, Ichiro got a second chance at the plate. But when Dave Burba tried to go back to the strikeout pitch that got him in the first, Ichiro is ready. Blooped into left field, and that's a base hit. Bell is in, and now this is a big inning. Lampkin right behind him. It's a four-run rally for the Mariners, capped off right there by Ichiro, who's been one of the toughest outs in all of baseball. See? I mean, this is exactly what we're talking about. He used his one. Yeah, and I mean, crazy that... So, yeah, the pitch that struck him out looking was kind of a high inside pitch it clips the top part of the zone uh then yeah burba comes back with it and ichiro's ready and smacks it right there and oh i mean it's so impressive just the to be able to recognize that pitch and recognize oh i bet he's going to come back with it and be ready for it that's a hard pitch to hit even if you are ready for it um you know up kind of in on the hands like that and like we said he he just he hits everything right (laughs) Yeah, he's so good at just going with the pitch. If it's outside, he's just going to hit it the other way. If it's inside, he's just going to pull it. You know, he I'm just... pretty sure he hit this one the other way, though, which is just wacky. Yeah. You know, one of those, like, he jammed him, and he still shoots it through the through the infield and, yeah, scores scores a few. So, after eight Mariners were sent to the plate and four runs were scored, the Indians finally stopped the bleeding, or so they thought. After M's pitcher, Aaron Seeley, worked a clean bottom of the second, Seattle picked up the third inning right where they'd left off. It started with three straight singles from Edgar Martinez, John Olerud, and Al Martin that brought about a swift end to Burba's night. 
With the bases loaded and a new pitcher on the mound, Mike Cameron stepped in. Deep into left center field. And way back there, that is off the top of the wall. Martinez scores, Olerud scores. Martin stops at third. It's a double for Cameron, his second in a row. And he almost put up a four spot on that one. Six to nothing Mariners. And Cameron with two doubles and three batted in already. I mean, we're talking about Ichiro and how he can hit anything. The rest of this Mariners lineup, I mean, there's a reason this team was so good this year. They can all hit. It is just every inning is a hit parade. And I don't know how you're supposed to, I don't know what you're supposed to do as an opposing team. It just, every single guy in this lineup can swing the bat and just, it's like, it's the, it's like death by a thousand cuts, you know, right? right. I mean, there've not been any home runs yet. There've been some, obviously doubles, but still, I mean, yeah. these aren't when like it's these. double after double and then single, double, walk, double, like, and then, yeah, single, 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 du- like, you just can't, there's nothing you can do. You're just waiting, hoping someone's going to pop out or something. Do you think if you got it's... a thousand paper cuts, you would die? Probably not, right? A thousand is a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's it depends true. where you were getting I, it. And to. you got them all at the same time. Yeah. Like... Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that's Listen, what this Mariners I can team say is this. doing. I can say this, Sam. That would not feel good. No, <laughs> I'll true. say that. I mean, yeah, what constitutes like a cut, you know? I mean, uh, I think if it's the skin paper. breaking and bleeding. Yeah. You know, sometimes you get a paper cut and it's it's really small, you know? Or like you catch your finger, like where your your nail meets your finger, you catch that like on a corner or something. Or like on plastic packaging, that Dude, shit'll fuck up your you're hands. You're giving me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm is, like getting uh, shivers thinking about it. This is this is not great listening. I gotta be honest. I could this go even further. I've got to. this like no painting we need that's like oh, made God. of it's like a sheet of metal. It doesn't have like a frame or anything. And every time I, I've cut myself on that painting, that so sounds many like times. a serious cut. That sounds like a real cut. Yeah. Like you just walk past it and it slices. No, I don't have it on the wall. Gashes your arm open. Charlie's like, oh, time to go to the hospital again. No, it was on the wall in my old place. And then when I moved, in the process of moving, like putting it in a box, taking it out of box, I would get like what was essentially a paper cut where you pick it up, but it's metal. So I would like slice my fingers. This is a poorly designed thing. What, What is this thing? Sam, you just don't understand high art. Okay? No, it's like you just some don't get old. It. You just don't get it. I don't even know. It's some old like advertisement that was in my parents' house, and I oh, liked it. Oh, I can picture. I can so picture. I took like, it. What... Yeah. What's it an advertisement for? Soza don't. It's like some um, before toothpaste was a thing. <laughs> it's like some powdery. I don't even really know what it is, but the. The advertisement is just funny to me. It's like, Soza don't. Good for bad teeth, not bad for good teeth. And I think that that's really funny. All right, let's get back to this game. (laughs) Carlos Guillen would follow up the double with a two-run single of his own that made it Mariners 8, Indians 0, but Seattle still wasn't done. A single and a hit-by-pitch loaded the bases for Ichiro, who skied one to center that brought in another run. It's like, all right, finally... Getting out here, sack fly. Yeah, still I mean, score a run. Like Jesus Christ. Ichiro can probably just do that on. Yeah, I feel like he could just do that on command. 
After another walk, it looked like Cleveland was coming apart at the seams, which was highlighted when Edgar Martinez took his second at-bat of the inning and hit a sharp grounder to the eight-time Gold Glove winning shortstop, Omar Vizquel. Now they might get two. No, oh, Vizquel has to go right under his glove. One run is in and two runs are in. Bell and Lampkin both score. What could have been an inning-ending double play instead prolonged Cleveland's suffering. I mean, like you said, eight-time Gold Glover, Vizquel's fielding stats, he barely ever had double-digit errors in a season. At, and playing shortstop, that's the right. hardest fucking yeah. position in all of baseball. Yeah. And so to see him in a game like this where it's already blown open, mm-hmm. to get this double play, I mean, it would be routine, especially for him. And it looks like he just doesn't really try. Like, he puts the glove down and just kind of lets it go. Yeah, Uh, I mean, it's a sharply hit ball. It's not like this is an easy play at all. Um, But you just expect someone who's this good to make that Mm -hmm. play. Yeah, yeah. And it was like a shock watching it. Like, oh, my God. They can't. At that point, I was watching it like, they're just going to keep scoring if this is if now the defense is going to fall asleep. Like, this is just going to be a 30-run game, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, yeah, he's just one of the best shortstops defensively to ever play yeah. the game. And so it's just 2000, so he had three errors. 2001, seven errors. 2002, seven errors. 2003, I mean, seven yeah. errors. I mean, this is like one of 20 errors he had in a five-year span, which is crazy. Yeah. That's, that's wild, yeah. Well, after Oluru drove in another run to make it 12-0, the Indians were finally able to collect two more outs and end the inning. So this is like kind of like the second big blowout game that we've done. Uh, 12-0 is just a ridiculous score after, where are we, after three innings? Uh, this is the end of the third, yeah. uh, middle of the third. Yeah, now. Uh, head, so know. that's a ridiculous score. Uh, obviously, the other blowout we did was the Mets-Nationals game. But the difference between what's interesting is that, and it's such a, it just kind of shows the difference between like how, how play style has evolved and like the difference between the game of now of 2020 or the late 2010s of even just as kind of recent as 2001, like blowouts now that Nats Mets blowout was like a bunch of home runs, just like tons of home runs. Yeah, left and right. Whereas yeah. like, this is just, has there even there's been like has there even been a home run yet like no no it's all singles doubles everybody gets up guys get on as a walk guy you know hit by pitches ground I mean, ball they fly just, ball moves them over a double yeah. scores them like sacrifice flies all this stuff it's like people shit on today's game a lot so i don't want to just pile on it but like i do think it's a little bit more enjoyable to watch guys get base hits, move runners over, and score them than it is to just, like, strike out, strike out, strike out. Oh, big home run. Strike out, strike yeah. out, strike the out. The action is more it consistent. Is fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is a lot of fun to and watch. And you expect um, every batter. The thing about, like you said, it's, like, strike out, strike out, big home run. The next batter up, you're like, well, he's probably not going to. It's This is, like, I can take a break from caring for a little bit because it's not going to be another home run. That guy just hit one. Whereas this sure. style with the, like, Death by a thousand cuts. It's like guy hits a double. You're watching the next guy, like just waiting for the double or the single, or you know, yeah. you expect I mean, the next I guy think, to keep it going. 
I do think that a really exciting play in baseball is when you've got a guy on second, the batter hits a single out to the outfield, that second to home, you know, can the outfielder throw him out? Is the guy going to beat the throw? That's exciting. It's Well, and I love the double into another double where they just like take each other's places and the pitcher can't let off, you know, just in the same position. And it's today's game. That's the thing about today's game is a lot of people are like, oh, strikeouts are fine. Like strikeouts aren't a big deal. And like, I'm kind of, I understand that too, because guys are striking out in order to hit more home runs and home runs are the most valuable hit. Like I get that. Mm -hmm. But in today's game, when you've got like a guy at third with one out, like back then, you can't be striking out. Back then, if you had a guy, (laughs) if you had second and third with one out, like you were like, okay, we're good. Like we're going to at least score a run. Like Mm -hmm. there's, there's no way we're not going to score a run. If the pitcher somehow gets out of this without letting up a run, like that's a really amazing job by him to get out of this jam. Yeah. In today's yeah. game, it's like not a given. It's like, oh, there's a pretty good chance. Like two guys, like this guy's gonna strike out, and then the next guy's gonna get out. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think not enough guys change their approach. They just they're on their a swing, they're on their home run swing, and they don't get off it no matter what the situation. You don't see a lot of guys shorten up and just like which yeah, not that it's like easy to do, but you right. think that if you know, but if they just don't. Guys pre- like they don't have Ichiro that mentality. Who, yeah, guys like Ichiro that are able to change up their swing on a dime, recognize things like that. I mean, it you see yeah. why it's very valuable. You see why this Mariners team is so good. Because again, not only is Ichiro doing this, but I could list every single name in this lineup, you know, and in the Mariners lineup, and they're all doing this. They're all adjusting their swings depending on the situation, depending on who's on base, and that's what's impressive. It is just not. And I do, I do recognize that, like, Part of the reason also that there's more strikeouts and it's not as a give is like the pitching is so good these days. Yeah, the velocities. Every guy in the bullpen throws 97 plus. Yeah, yeah. Well, in the end, Burba would be responsible for seven runs, but the Indians showed a bit of life in the bottom of the fourth with Juan Gonzalez on first and Jim Tomei at the plate. That one is hit high in the air, deep in the right center field. Cameron Amichiro and gone a home run. Number 35 for Tomey, extending his American League lead. Tomey's 35th home run of the year made it 12-2 and gave the Cleveland fans something to cheer about. But the Mariners would quickly undo the work of Tomey when they scored two more runs in the top of the fifth, courtesy of three straight singles and a bases-loaded ground out to make it Mariners 14, Indians 2. So is this the point, if you guys are at a game and this was happening, is this the point when you would, like, consider leaving, or would you have already been gone? I'm the type that I paid for my ticket, like, I'm not going to leave, unless it was raining or it was cold as, you know, super cold and I'm miserable, but it's an August night. I'm not leaving. If anything, I'm starting to spot, okay, where are the seats I can move right. up to? Yeah, yeah. that's, you know that's what I'm how I am, too. Yeah, um, and I, like... Listen, I I wish I had enough money that I could just be like, eh, four innings or five innings, that's enough. I'm well, out of here. If I had I got season my, tickets, for me, maybe I would. Maybe if I had season tickets. But for know. me, when I go to a baseball game, I wish I could go every weekend, but frankly, I'm not. So I'm getting the most out of it. <laughs> yeah, I just think when they're down 12-0, then it was 12-2, and then it's immediately like 14-2. I could see a lot of people just being like, you know what? I mean, I, I'm not going to say the thought wouldn't cross. Right. Mind. I'm not saying you when you leave, mean. my question but was, I, is I this the point leave. where you're saying, like, oh, I'm sure man, there would be a thought. Do I really want to like, sit through this? 
Exactly. The thing is, here's the thing. Am I okay? If I'm a casual fan and I don't like, if I went to a game with two teams I don't care like at all, or it's a meaningless game, then I'm like, whatever. Like, uh, you know, I'm just here to have fun. I'm not really here for the mm-hmm. game. Like, and baseball yeah. has 162 games that has the most meaningless games out of anybody. But if it's like a meaningful, like if it's a meaningful game and a team that I love, like I might leave because I'm just like it's, so it's sad. painful. And but yeah, but, yeah. If yeah. I was a big Cleveland fan, I might be like, I just am I why subject myself to the rest of this? Um, but so at the same time, then you lose from, you know. any opportunity to see your team do something miraculous. And baseball is. Because, look, if your team's down – if you're in football or basketball and your team's down 30 points with four minutes left, it's like, okay, like, I am I can leave. It's almost physically impossible for my team to yeah, win. Yeah. But baseball, remember, there's no – that's part of the beauty of it. There's no clock. Your team can always do something miraculous. There's yeah, there's never why, a point yeah. where, like, oh, there's literally not enough time left. They yeah. could be bottom of the ninth, two that's outs. So I've got to always be swinging on that 3-0 fastball right. with the bases loaded. Well, and that's <laughs> what would keep me at the game would be I wouldn't want to miss something. You don't want to be the like, idiot cool. 20 years later who is like, yeah, I was at the game and I left, you know, or having but, to lie. Yeah, exactly. at What's the even same worse time, is having to lie like, be like, oh, I didn't leave. Even if your team loses – even if your team loses, there can still be some fun moments where it's like, oh, we got to see this cool play. We got to see this awesome home run from this rookie. Who knows? Like, right. there's always moments that well, are fun. Well, that's how I would feel back. right after the Tommy home run. I would be like, oh, I, I might stick. This was bad, but I might stick around. Tommy just hit a home run. That yeah. was pretty great. He's but then the they, imme- they runs, immediately score know? two more, and I would be like, yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, this the trajectory this is going is still down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, with the game essentially being wrapped up by the sixth, both teams began benching their starters as the lineups were filled with backups. One such backup was Russell Brannion, the Cleveland left fielder, then third baseman, who started off the bottom of the seventh with a drive to right center. Brannion hits one high and deep to right center field, giving Chase Cameron, this ball's out of here. Russell Brennan jumped on the first pitch here in the seventh inning. And Russell Brennan hit it into the right center field bleachers right in the same area where Jim Tomey hit his. See, is what we're talking about. This is fun. Russell Brennan comes in, hits a home run. It's like, all right. I mean, it has been like a while now, and it's still 14 to 2. In that between the fifth and the seventh that we're at now, there's a lot of people that have left who've taken oh, that, definitely. Without that mentality yeah. of, you know what, yeah. I, this is too much hurt. I don't care if Russell Brandon hits a home <laughs> run. I'm out of here. <laughs> well, after Sealy loaded the bases, he got the hook, and the Indians capitalized, driving in two more runs to make it Mariners 14, Indians 5. Then, the very next inning, Jim Tomei hit another blast to deep left. The 2-1. Swung on, hit high and deep to left. Back goes Martin. Martin at the wall, looking up. It's gone to the home run porch. Jim Tomey with a second home run tonight. Giving him a league high 36. And the tribe down 14 to 6. And for Jim Tomey, that is multi-homer game number four this year. See, Jim Tomey is just taking every actually the Indians as a whole because Russell Brand as well. They're taking everything I said about how you know they, the Mariners weren't hitting home runs; they were doing it the mm-hmm. cool way, 
and the Indians are like, fuck you. Like, we're going to do it the new cool. Yeah. I'm Jim. <laughs> Tell me I hit, uh, you know, 600 plus home runs in my career. Here's, here's two of those 600. Yeah. He's just <laughs> rocking them. These are fun. And that's the thing, you know what, at the end of the day, God, you love a good no doubter home run. I mean, there's oh, just, I mean, yeah, there's almost not, there's nothing like it. I think in Jim told me his sports, swing just, and oh. just the ball coming off his bat is like, it's why he's a first ballot hall of famer. It's yeah. It's, and he uh, looks like Mr. Incredible art. in my opinion. I think he's yeah, like the perfect, he, does. <laughs> yeah. he could, he could have played Mr. Incredible in the live action remake. Directed and by this John is the Everyone. point where if I did stick around through all this, by now I've probably got a little bit better of a seat Exactly. Now Tommy's hit a second home run, and I'm like, you're probably drunk as shit. Yeah, you're drunk as shit. I'm already so drunk. I'm just having a great time. You've accepted (laughs) the fact that the game is over, and now Tommy's hit another home run, and you're probably just like ecstatic that like your team is still trying. You're like, oh fuck yeah, this is this is pretty cool. Yeah, it's that's also you know you live in Cleveland. (laughs) Yeah, you got to find those small victories. You know, Jim Tommy hitting two home runs. There you go. That, that'll get you through, what, the month, maybe? Yeah. At least. <laughs> well, after a pitch grazed Russell Brannion to put him on first, Marty Cordova stepped in and barreled one up. Cordova, deep into left center, and that one is gone. That is it. Too late for all of this. The Cleveland Indians erupting now against Halama. Following Cordova's drive to left, the Indians collected two more singles from Anar Diaz and Kenny Lofton, then a double off the bat of Lamar Vizquel scored Diaz, making it 14-9, and advanced the speedy Lofton to third, until reliever Norm Charlton buried one in the dirt, and Lofton broke for home. Since he came into the game, slider in the dirt, breaking from third for the plate, Lofton, and he is out. Five runs down, and Lofton... Took a huge gamble. Oh, this is hard. This sucks. I mean, this was not a very good slide. No. Also, this was a terrible slide. He took, he made this decision to uh, break for home way too late. There's a, they kind of show it in a different angle uh, at a certain point where the catcher is almost in front of the almost has the ball again by the time Lofton decides to run for home he would have had it had he just broken for yeah. home immediately but it was a late decision that it just sucks you're like man I mean he's Kenny Lofton to score some runs he's one of the fastest players in the history of baseball uh i I'm sure he felt very confident in his speed and that he could get anywhere he wanted to go and like Charlie yeah. said it was a really shitty slide uh he yeah. slowed down better. a lot when he slid. It was... If he slid better, and and you know what, the the dirt in this game looked weird to me. Did it look weird to anybody else? I guess um, I didn't notice. To, but... to be honest, yeah, I didn't really notice. But I I'll just noticed yeah. on the slide how much he slowed down. So I don't know. Maybe it was like had rained earlier in the day, and they the didn't dirt really... was like really dark in my opinion. But I don't know. I guess yeah. that yeah, I don't know if that would help you or hurt you on a slide, but. It was, yeah, I don't know. it was, it was a bad slide and you know, I'm never going to, if I'm like, if I'm the manager of the Indians or any team that came off the plate for, I think 25 teams, uh, if I'm the, if I'm his manager, I'm never going to be mad at him. Like no on the base paths. Like that's kind of no. why he's on the team. You kind of, I mean, he's a good hitter too. He's a great Plus hitter, in like, this, in this type of game too. It's like, he's just trying to get another run, right? You're like mounting this comeback, but you're still down a ton. 
with how yeah. much game is left. You got to so take them where you can get them, and it just didn't work out. You this appreciate time, the but... the heart and the hustle of like again, yeah. just like Tommy hitting home runs and other guys getting hits. Lofton's just trying to like keep winning. So I mean, yeah, he he led the league in steals five times. Like this is the guy you trust. No, yeah, I say to Kenny Lofton, it, I say like, know? look, whatever you want to do out there, like you you do, and we got he, your. Back. He's got that. Yeah, he's got that permanent green light. Yeah, you know, he, he, he may have to go gotten out, go but you know, he gets a pat on the butt and a and a nice try. You know, <laughs> exactly. Get him next well, time. Well, the out at the plate took the wind out of Cleveland's sails as Seattle notched another strikeout to end the Indians' four-run rally. Yet, despite the five-run deficit, an energy was building at Jacobs Field amongst the hometown fans that had, for some reason, decided to stick around. I think they're shit-faced. Yeah, that's got to be the only reason. I think they're all drunk and they're having a great time and they're like, Baseball! (laughs) (laughs) The Mariners were quiet in the top of the ninth giving the Indians one last chance to get back into it in the final frame. It started with an Ed Tavansi single, then Marty Cordova double that put two men in scoring position. The Mariners went to the bullpen for Jeff Nelson, but he walked Will Cordero, then gave up a two-run single to Anar Diaz that made it Mariners 14, Indians 11. Ruh-roh. <laughs> with the tying run on deck, Seattle went to their 33-year-old closer, Kazuhiro Sasaki, who was fresh off a Rookie of the Year campaign in 2000, where he joined the Mariners after playing in Japan. I mean, it's suddenly a save situation. They've got to bring the closer in. Yeah, that's and we. I don't like want to take too much time, but Kazuhiro Sasaki, what an interesting story that he had. So, became a Rookie of the Year in 2000 at 32 years old. Years old, played in seattle for four seasons and then went back to japan kind of just fucked off and was like ah, i just want to go back to japan was one of the best closers in baseball those years he got mvp votes in 2000 yeah the way that that they were talking about him on the john miller called was like said that he was seattle's mariano rivera like they were talking about that he was like you know gonna well, shut he them was, down yeah he was a big part yeah. of why this team this 2001 mariners team was legendary yeah, yeah. I mean, he is also <laughs> when I was doing uh when I was doing some research, did you guys know that uh he uh he has released uh an album uh in, you know, oh, recent boy. years apparently. He's 52. Uh but he he has a side recording career uh with an album of his vocals over techno beats. So that's fun. So I got to think that, you know, Sasaki when he's going up to the mound, he's thinking about his music in his head. He's like thinking of his songs. Do you think he you know. was his walk-up song or like his warm-up song when he'd come out of the bullpen? That was fun. it his it's own his song? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know when exactly the recording career started and if that, you know, overlapped with his baseball career, but uh yeah, just he, this is an interesting character first of all, uh but also a great closer. So at this point if you're the Indians, Oh, man. <laughs> and he probably did not think, I mean, even just a half hour ago in this game, there's no way he thought there was any chance he was, he was getting gonna... drunk in the bullpen, <laughs> right. you know, with the fans. <laughs> well, with two men on and two out, Sasaki gave up a single to Kenny Lofton to load the bases, leaving it all on Omar Vizquel. The runners go. Down the line. It's headed into the corner. One run is in. And it goes through. They have tied the game. 
Fiscal to third. It's 14 to 14. Unbelievable. They have come back from a 12-run deficit and tied the game. Now they can go for the win. And they are delirious in downtown Cleveland. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I mean what? <laughs> yeah. What do you even say? What a wild hit here. Well, a triple to for, tie the I mean, and from oh. Vizquel, who earlier who made the defensive error earlier, that I mean, wasn't the only reason they're down big, but was a contributing factor to this getting blown open as wide as it yeah. was. And now here yeah. is the hero. I mean, this is incredible. This is awesome. Yeah. After nine laborious innings of blowout baseball that saw 14 Seattle runs on 16 hits, Cleveland had clawed their way back into it with 14 runs of their own to tie the game. Of his triple, Vizquel later said, no doubt it was my biggest hit of the year. Cleveland had come back from a 12-run deficit, but the game wasn't over yet. The 10th inning was scoreless. Then Indians reliever John Rocker struck out the side in the 11th. In the bottom of the 11th. Wait, I just real quickly, uh, John Rocker, O'Gat Hall of Shame, piece of shit human being, uh, rotten hell. Okay. I didn't. What did he do? Uh, You know what? It's not worth it. (laughs) No questions asked. (laughs) Hall of Shame. Fuck him. (laughs) Just super racist asshole. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's all we. Yeah. Hall of Shame. In the bottom of the 11th, the sixth Mariners reliever. Jose Paniagua took the mound. He got Anar Diaz to pop out to short, then gave up a pair of singles to Kenny Lofton and Omar Vizquel. Then it was Holbert Cabrera at the plate, and on the first pitch, he swung. The pitch. Swung on line drive, base hit to left. Lofton around third. He's going to score the game winner. McLemore throw the slide. Not in time! The Indians with one of the most stunning comebacks in team Lofton being carried off the field and now about to be mobbed is Holbert Cabrera. The Indians dead and buried, down 12 in the seventh, have completed the miracle. We said in the ninth, it may take divine intervention. I mean... Wow. <laughs> On a broken bat, nonetheless. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely shattered bat. Bro, like, sawed off. Yeah, just it's a goner. Cabrera's broken bat single to left had scored Lofton and cemented a moment in history. It was only the third time that a major league team had overcome a 12-run deficit to win a game, with the last time happening on June 15, 1925 when Cleveland had given up a 12-run lead to the Philadelphia Athletics. It's always funny how there's, like, these cosmic coincidences in sports. I mean, the last time this happened, the Indians blew a 12-run lead, and now, 76 years later, they're doing the comeback. It'd be funny if there was some, like, 90-year-old Cleveland fan, like, either in the stands or, like, watching at home, (laughs) who was, like... Their grandkids were like, oh, man, this sucks. We're going to lose. We're down 12-0. And they're like, 
I remember when I was 10 years old, we had the 12-0 lead on the Philadelphia Athletics, and we ended up losing that game. Anything could happen. And then they're like, Grandma, the Athletics are from Oakland, you dumbass. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. The old bag. And then they hit her. Elder oh, God. Oh. oh, no. Wow. All right. Well, despite the loss, the Mariners would still go on to win 116 games, tying a record set by the 1906 Chicago Cubs that stands to this day. I mean, they would have broke the record if they could have. Yeah. They would have had 117 (laughs) games. Had they not blown this game, they would have had 117, new all-time record. Um, And even just talking about this, starters start getting pulled in the fifth, the sixth, the seventh. Right. I mean, if Ichiro's out. Uh, Edgar Martinez is out. John Olerud is out. I mean, a lot of these guys, top of the order, they're all out, which, I mean, normally, realistically, yes, of course you do that. Yeah, you don't know at the time, but in hindsight, you look at this and it's like, sure, there are probably a lot of close games, like, you know, three to two games where it's like, oh, you know, if one play would have gone this way. We they could have got 117 this. wins, but this one was I like shut, open they, and shut case, was a yeah. win, and then it wasn't. It's just gone. And I think it's also fun to talk about that at a certain point, I would say basically what, the fourth through like the seventh inning, uh, Cleveland's you know win percentage on you know baseball reference, things like that, it is 0%. Yeah. Cleveland even starts hitting home runs, and the win percentage stays at 0% because it still is like, listen. There just aren't enough outs know, left. It's 14 to 4, but you know it's the eighth inning. It doesn't matter. They're not going to win. They were down and... to their last strike when Vizcale hit that triple mm-hmm. that tied yeah. the game. They were still down three runs, like – they were down five at the start of the ninth. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it was 11 to 14, you know, uh, and it was, you know, they had a 10% chance, and then he hits this triple, and it shoots up, ties the game. Now it's at 63%. I mean, that's one of those things. I think, you know, win percentage can sometimes be fun to look at, the graphs and charts and stuff like that. This is a pretty wild chart, I've got to be honest, because, yeah, for those middle innings, despite Cleveland scoring runs – they still have a 0% chance, and that is just wild to me. <laughs> Jim Tomey has the best buns in the league. Okay, thanks, Grandma. Well, the Indians, meanwhile, would win 91 games and come out on top of the American League Central. The two teams would meet up again in the playoffs, where the Mariners won in five games of back-and-forth baseball but ultimately fell to the New York Yankees in the ALCS. In the end, the 2001 Mariners will always be remembered for their historic season that defied the odds, not the loss they suffered at the hands of Cleveland on the night of August 5th. But if there's one thing that game showed, it was that the juggernaut that was Seattle in 2001 wasn't wholly immune to a stroke of bad fortune, something that has seemingly followed the Mariners ever since. Wow, ending on kind of a... Kind of yeah, it's note kind there. of a rough note because you know what? I think this game, it is kind of, like we said, they could have had 117. Um, but at the end of the day, 116 win Mariners. This is awesome. But they lost this game. And, you know, there were cracks. This team could lose. We see it happen in the ALCS. They they lose to the Yankees. That's Imagine winning 116 well, games and then not even making it to the World Series. 
That's imagine being up twelve to zero in the third inning and now winning the game. I think if they won this game, they would have won the World Series. It's just I think it's it's, that simple. It's what we've always talked (laughs) about the Mariners. This game is the perfect microcosm of the two thousand one season, which is the perfect microcosm of their entire existence. They just can't finish. They could put they could get everything going. They can have They're up fourteen to two. I mean it was like (laughs) is they they have Hall of Fame players and they just can't finish, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and in the fact that Seattle's now got the longest, you know, postseason uh, drought and what is it, North American sports, yeah. right? You know, I mean, that's, it's just, it sucks, you know? And this is, yeah, like you said, Sam, this is a perfect example of just the Mariners, maybe, as a whole. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, at the end of the day, though, this was, this was a really fun game to watch. I feel like this in some senses, too, it's kind of... Uh says a lot about the Indians, too, where they're able to come get this great comeback and win this game, but then they end up losing to the Mariners in the playoffs. And, you know, (laughs) they won their division, and they were a great team. And here the Indians are still to this day. I mean, they've gone to the playoffs and gone to the World Series, but they can't get it done either. No, exactly. It's just uh, but they like they have these great moments, you know. But then they can't Mm. finish it. Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. That was fun. Should we do some extra innings? Has any final thoughts? But yeah, we can move on to extra innings. I got a I got a game that's based on uh, the fact that one of these teams was from Seattle, and one of these teams was from Cleveland. (laughs) Okay. Sure. Well, Cleveland. Where this game took place was uh, everyone. If, if you don't know, it's the home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and the the popular slogan for Cleveland is "Cleveland Rocks." You know, a lot of great rock and roll music there. Um, and Seattle, many people know, the home of grunge music, bands like Nirvana and Pearl Jam. Uh, so I've got I'm gonna name you a band, and you're gonna tell me are they from. Ohio or Washington? Mostly Cleveland or Seattle, but I have opened it up a little bit. But uh, okay. And uh, okay. All right. How about you guys work together and try to see if you can see if you can get a majority and win this game? So the first right. band I'm gonna bring, Nine Inch Nails. Are they from Cleveland or Seattle or Ohio or Washington? Hmm. I mean, they're very. I don't know if. It's fair to label them as grunge, but they yeah are way closer to that. Say yeah, I want to say Washington. You know that Seattle feels like it could be a trick question though. But let's just start off nice and easy. And all right, we'll go, go with our gut with on our this gut. one. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna say they're from Nine Inch Nails, Washington. So Nine Inch Nails. I'm not sure if you're supposed to say they or it's just he. If it's just Trent Reznor by himself, but Nine Inch Nails is from Cleveland, Ohio. So you're wrong. <sighs> All right. All okay. right. But I did pick him because I thought that you might think that he is like a grunge guy. No, that's a good pick. Um, all right. The next one is Sir Mixalot. He does oh, okay. seem like a grunge artist, <laughs> if I think about it. <laughs> hmm. Um, I have no idea. I. I have no idea. I mean, I don't think I've thought about Sir Baby Mix-a-Lot got back. in so long. The fact that you're bringing him up is like, wow. <laughs> Forgot he existed. Um, um, I don't know. Washington. 
It's a coin flip. Sure. Washington. <laughs> well, Sir Mix-a-Lot famously said, L.A. face with the Oakland booty. Because he's a West Coast guy from Seattle, Washington. There we go. Yeah. Okay. See, I knew he was, you know, when I think grunge, you know, Sir Mix-a-Lot. It's just right there, you know? All right. What's next? All right. This band, are they from Ohio or Washington? That's the game. My dad <laughs> is dead. Am I supposed to have heard of this band? Before? Yeah, I'm sorry. I actually don't know what this band is. Do they have um, a song I would know? No. Okay. What? <laughs> Did you Ohio. Just find some random? Yeah, okay. Ohio. Yeah. My dad is dead is a recording project of musician Mark Edwards that began in Cleveland, Ohio in 1984. There we go. Hey, there we go. All right. All right. Good call, Charlie. All right. What's next? This is another band you might not have heard of. Pitch Black Forecast. Hmm. I mean, I want to say Seattle. It sounds pretty. Because... It sounds edgy. Yeah rainy it, it, you know rainy and kind of yeah. gloomy yeah let's go but it also it also maybe could be some people from ohio that are trying to sound cooler than they are you know what i mean yeah i don't know My... do we think it's been ohio seattle ohio seattle yeah or whatever washington back and forth or do we think it could have gone ohio washington ohio ohio i'm not gonna i'm hoping sam randomized whatever list he had and so it's <laughs> it just ended up okay, this way. Whatever. I'll 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 go with you, Charlie. Uh Washington. Pitch Black Forecast is a heavy metal supergroup formed in 2005 in Cleveland, Ohio. It's a supergroup from yeah, it's What's a this? Hev- it's a heavy metal supergroup with so members of the band Mushroom Head and Strapping Young Lad and oh, Integrity. See, okay. That makes sense now. Yeah, yeah. If, if you would have mentioned <laughs> strapping young lad, I would have known. <laughs> For me, integrity would have boom, given yeah. it away. I would have known. I, I guess I, I heard... I'm not a super fan of uh, of strapping young lad, but so I didn't know that they had members in this super group. But that would have given it away. <laughs> when I saw the name Pitch Black Forecast, I was like, "That sounds like Seattle, like gl- gloomy, and it sounds grungy." Yeah. So I thought it would fuck you up, and it did. Uh, all right, Kenny Loggins. I feel like all of these are just trick now. So, like, if if my gut says Cleveland, I'm just going to go Seattle. So that's what I'm going with <laughs> with Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins. Well, think about this, Charlie. There was a Kenny Lofton on the Cleveland Indians team. Right. So maybe there's a connection there somehow. You know what I'm saying? Maybe Kenny Loggins and Kenny Lofton – you know, mm-hmm. maybe they maybe they knew each other or something, and maybe they. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm really getting at here, but it <laughs> that does feel like a trick, though. I feel like I would want to say Ohio, but then it would be like, oh no, he actually started grunge. Fun fact. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we can say Washington. Well, Kenny Loggins famously took a highway to the danger zone, and that danger zone. Was in Seattle, Washington. There we go. Yeah, that. May- All right, there we go. The danger zone is in Seattle. Good to know. 
you guys are so far i think you're just about even so are we three for three or three for six i believe you're three Three. for six all right all right 500 not bad all right all right how about the band devo we are devo whip it um okay devo I want to say Ohio because they feel like a band that's like weird. And you'd be like, oh, they're definitely from Seattle. But really, they're from Ohio and they're just a bunch of boring people that decided to like. I feel like Ohio being such a like you think of it as a boring place has the ability to like bring out these like weirdo characters. Yeah. Like Seattle's not Portland where like everybody's like we're weird by default because that's just like our city identity. Yeah, but I'm, Ohio I'm, I'm could just like breed some like weirdos out of the boredom. So yeah, yeah, I'm good to say Ohio. Whip it, Devo is from Ohio, not Cleveland though. Oh, Akron, yeah. Ohio, which is yeah. Okay. There's a, a lot from Akron. Yeah. All right. All right. You guys so what, uh, got another? Yeah. Got another one? Or did we win? Did we win? Should we just say we won? You guys, <laughs> you killed it. You won. You you edged them out at the clock, just like the Indians did to the Mariners. You beat me in a game I thought I was going to run away with. You got it good. That was a close one, though. You had some good ones in there. Those are some. Those are some good ones. So congratulations on winning. You Warner, win were you waiting for the Black Keys for a slam dunk? I had a feeling he wouldn't do that one because that feels like too big of a band. But yeah. I was like, if he does that one, we've got that easy. <laughs> weird flex but okay you guys win an all expenses paid trip to akron ohio cool oh really yeah but you have to go now during the pandemic uh, all right well yeah i'll pass <laughs> anyways thanks everybody for listening to one game at a time uh we hope you enjoyed the episode uh email us at ogatpod at gmail.com if you have game suggestions uh let us know We've got new episodes every Tuesday, and if you enjoyed the show, please tell your friends about us. Run all the podcast platforms. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Those reviews, you know, help us get the show out there. And we're on social media. Check out Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all of that, at OGATPod. And we're also on Patreon, so check that out if you want to support the show. We will shout out new supporters at the end of our episode, so you know fun perk we've got some other things on there uh but yeah thanks and everybody wait Warner, real quick you're gonna use all the money that comes in from patreon to just buy every single copy of kazuhiro sasaki's cds right yes I've, I've already placed a number of large bids on ebay so we need those supporters because <laughs> i'm gonna be a broke man if uh we don't get any uh thank you everybody and we will see you all next week bye, bye. see ya is that your Devo voice? No, I just think that's a funny voice. All right, sure. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye.